Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. Welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great morning this morning. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to start a new series today talking about tertiary or secondary doctrines of the Christian faith and how we can be unified and yet fully convinced of differing positions on certain doctrinal positions within the same local congregation. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for a blessing upon it, and I thank you for everybody that's listening or watching, and I pray that, uh, that right now that you'd help us in the context of the local church to be unified around central doctrines of the faith, and there will be great uniformity on what we believe about those central things. And then on these secondary doctrines, help us to be fully convinced in our mind, not that they don't matter, or we can just shrug our shoulders and say, yeah, what does it matter, uh, what eschatology I have, or whatever it may be. Uh, but help us to be uh, also open-handed with our brothers and sisters who see things a little bit differently. So help us to know the difference between being a jellyfish and being uh, convinced uh, with a backbone that we can have differing positions on certain things. And uh, just help us to know the difference. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, before we get into that, I do want to make a few announcements. Number one, all the video content is now, instead of being on Gab TV, I was just uh, informed that all the Gab TV content is going to be transitioned into a, a sort of a different kind of platform within that network. And so I'm going to have to download all of my Gab TV videos, 200 and something videos that I have posted, and I'm going to have to re-upload them onto YouTube, unfortunately, which means there's going to be a new YouTube channel. I've actually opened it and I'm going to start publishing on the Shepherd's Crook YouTube channel. So if you are a Gab TV subscriber, you'll make, you'll want to make sure to jump over to YouTube channel and find that there. And then when Gab gets back up and going with their video platform, I'll, I'll be doing both instead of just uploading to one place. It, I kind of went all in, put the chips all in on Gab TV and it didn't work out that great. So I'm going to have to switch back over and uh, or switch over to uploading to YouTube and other platforms if I end up getting kicked off there or something like that. So you want to make sure and check that out. <clears throat> also, membership, just want to remind you, if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, you can for $5 a month, and that gets you a monthly newsletter that comes to your mailbox every single month with a good old wax seal. And then you'll at the, at the, at the, at the end of the year, you'll get all the video and audio content, and then also, you'll get into the previous cohorts and the Rites of Passage material when that releases, and more of those are going to be releasing very soon. So if you want to do that, please reach out to me, and I can get you on that list. And then finally, the Sons and Slaves podcast. Me and my boys are having a blast. I think there's three full episodes in just an introductory minute episode where I just explain what we're doing with the Sons and Slaves podcast. Really excited about that. We're having a lot of fun, and it's really good concentrated conversation with my sons, which is phenomenal. If you have young boys, you can know how easy it is to be distracted or go from one conversation to the next. The neat thing for me personally is when we sit down for these conversations, my sons are just lasered in. And we're having a really good time talking about boyhood and the process of becoming a man. And what we're doing uh, starting this, this week, actually, is we're going to be going through a book by Bob Schultz called Boyhood and Beyond, chapter by chapter, through that book. It's a phenomenal book, and there's really good lessons for boys and young men and men also. So please subscribe to that. 
and I think you'll enjoy it. All right, now to the content today. There are some things that the Bible requires us to be dogmatic, dogmatic about personally, convinced of personally, but also be open-handed with brothers and sisters who see things differently. Now, isn't that fascinating? I'm going to just read this and explain it from Romans chapter 14. This isn't anything new for you probably. You probably know this very well, but I'm just going to read it and apply this to other doctrines within the Christian faith. Okay, here we go. As for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. So this is going to be in the category of theological opinions. One person believes he can make, he may eat anything, while a weak person eats only vegetables. <laughs> Which everybody's like, yes, amen, so true. Let the one, let not the one who despise despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, if, and the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The Bible is commanding us to be fully convinced in our own mind about things like food and days. One man esteems one day greater than the other. So he's going to cherish the liturgical calendar. He's going to cherish, he's going to be a hardline Sabbatarian. And another one is not going to cherish the calendar, like Spurgeon. And he's not going to be a hardline Sabbatarian. And each one should be fully convinced in their own mind. The one observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while, he, while the one who abstains, abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So we're seeing these categories for us that are kind of bubbling up to the surface that require us to be dogmatic personally, but open-handed with others in the body of Christ. And it got me thinking, the two examples here are days, so we could think, again, to mention being a Sabbatarian or a Sabbatarian light or a non-Sabbatarian, or we could think about food convictions or drink convictions. And, you know, uh, R.C. Sproul has a really good talk on the tyranny of the weaker brother. And we don't need to be judging from the weak or the strong, and the weak should become strong. But in this passage, minimally, we get the understanding that there are some doctrines within the, within the Christian faith that would fall into the opinion category that require us to personally be convinced. That means we have to study. That means we have to read the commentaries. That means we have to pray through all the passages, work through all the passages. And it's not that these secondary doctrines or opinions are unimportant that we shouldn't be fully convinced in our own mind, or it just doesn't matter. We should study them out. We should wrestle through them and come to a conclusion and say, this is where I land on this particular doctrinal position. But I recognize that brothers and sisters in Christ are going to study this out, wrestle with this, and come to a different conclusion. So although I am fully convinced in my own mind, I recognize that my brother is fully convinced in his own mind, and he lands a little bit differently. So it got me thinking, what are the other doctrines then within the Christian faith that we can not just agree to disagree, but we can bless another person's position while simultaneously fighting and arguing in a good faith, <laughs> good faith to pull off uh, uh, that the, uh, the Gospel Coalition things, uh, the goofy conversations that they had. Uh, but we can have a real good conversation with a brother or sister and argue it well and shake hands and love one another and not have to be sectarian about the issues. And, and really, this gets down to sectarianism. What differentiates one congregation from the next or one doctor, doctrinal position from the next where you have to have an actual split or an actual <clears throat> planting of a church or moving down to another congregation 
to maintain unity? How can you, in the context of the local body, have differing, differing positions? So I, I just started writing these down, and it may build, but I think we're going to do six to eight episodes, maybe even a little bit more. And I just want you to think through these. So we, we can first uh, mention again the Sabbatarian position is that, you know, it's in our confession, the 1689 London Baptist Confession. It's in the Westminster Standards uh, Confession of Faith. And people down throughout the history of the church have argued about this, haven't they? About the church calendar, non-church calendar. How do you, do you differentiate between one day and another day? And there are hardline Sabbatarians that need to be fully convinced that we aren't doing any recreation. We're not going out to eat because that's requiring others to work on the Lord's day, on the Lord's Sabbath, Christian Sabbath. And you are hardline worship, rest, no recreation. Recreation doesn't qualify for rest at all. And then those who are non-Sabbatarian that see Jesus as our rest, and we're not going to differentiate. We are going to see a rest principle within, uh, you know, that, that continues on. So we who have abiding and enduring rest in Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week, also see that we are to rest and take a day of the week, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the Lord's day. So, so there's differing opinions on that. And what I want to challenge you, if, if you've not landed your, on your position on that, you need to land there and, and then be fully convinced in your own mind about your position and recognize that others have a different position and you don't have to be dogmatic about it. That's the specific example given. Now, what else? Eschatology. Within our church here in January, we're going to be doing Monday night classes on eschatology where we're going to be laying out differing positions. I'm a convinced post-millennial. We also have a convinced amillennial. We have a convinced premillennial. And we're going to be doing back-to-back weeks and then doing a roundtable discussion like that Desiring God eschatology debate or conversation that happened 10, 15 years ago that everybody's seen. So with eschatology, we want to be fully convinced in our own mind and yet non-dogmatic about it in the context of the local church. We don't want to be sectarian about it. And there have been churches like Calvary Chapel, movements like Calvary Chapel that have been that have required, even within their statement of faith, a position on the end times. And I, I think that would be an, an error within a local church to make it something where if, if you join in membership, you have to have this position. You have to hold this position. Just imagine that. If we came to our congregation and said, you have to be post-millennial to be a, a member here, or you had to be pre-millennial to be a member here. And many churches and movements have required that to say, you have to be a pre-tribulation, dispensational eschatology. You have to ha- hold that eschatology to be a member here. And I think that is out of bounds. I don't think that is faithful. Okay, what else? Um, we could talk about gifts of the Spirit. Many churches, again, have made these uh, these sectarian issues where if you believe in all the active gifts of the Spirit, that they're all um, you know, continuing on today, and the Holy Spirit is, is speaking in a way that's less than the authoritative Scriptures, and it doesn't need to be tucked into the canon. This is a different kind of prophecy we're talking about. Um, and all the gifts of the, uh, the Spirit are still active within the church today. And, and there's those that believe that. And then what I want to say is that you should be fully convinced in that, fully con- convinced on that position, and also recognize within the church that there are the, going to be those that are hardline cessationists that are fully convinced, just like John MacArthur is, about that position. We need to be generous. And I think this, again, fits into this category of being fully convinced in their own mind about a position and yet a recognition that I'm dogmatic personally, but when it comes to brothers and sisters, I recognize that people can come to a different conclusion here. And isn't that the case? You hear the arguments laid out for eschatology or gifts of the Spirit. You're like, okay, I get where you're coming from. I might not fully agree. I don't fully agree on your position you just laid out, but I see where you're coming from. How about this? A differing understanding of the law of God. There are going to be some that come to the conclusions that they're a, a theonomist and others that come that, that don't come to that conclusion or, or, or recognize or understand the law of God to be different in its application today. 
both in the church and in the world. Or the tithe. There are going to be some people in the church, just like our church, that are fully convinced of the tithe, that that is a continued command, and others that are fully convinced that it isn't, that generosity is a general rule or principle within the church that's functioning and operating within the church today. Then there's going to be, within the church, differing understandings of being a patriarch or, or biblical patriarchy or complementarianism. In the con- it, what is a sectarian position is anything beyond that. If you're an egalitarian, then you're not going to be able to function within our church anyways as a member because you're going to be wildly outside the lines and bounds of what we understand the, uh, the, the image of God and how things function within the home, the church, and the world. So th- that is a sectarian position. In fact, I would say that's even a non-Christian position. You can be a Christian and hold that position, but it's a non-Christian position. Egalitarianism is antithetical to what the Bible teaches about gender, sexuality, and how God has designed the human being. You completely mess up the image of God. But in the context of the same local church, you can have both complementarians and patriarchalists and dwell together in unity and agree to disagree. Be like, okay, I, I differ in your application of how this works itself out in the home or in the church or in the world. But we're not going to divide over it. What about things like that fall into that same conversation? Head coverage, they have to be cloth, or does feminine hair qualify? What about a man's length of hair? Can it be masculine, or does it have to be short? And if it's short, does it always qualify as being masculine? Okay, you get the drift here. What about this? Who should baptize a new convert? do, Do the elders have the ability to oversee and then commission dads to baptize their children? Or do the elders of the church have to baptize the children? Okay, you guys get the drift. This is what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to look at some of these doctrines, and we're going to parse them out and show how we can be fully convinced and yet open-handed with these positions towards brothers and sisters in Christ. We want uniformity when it comes to the central doctrine of the faith, our confession of faith, and then as elders, we want uniformity when it comes to uh, the London Baptist Confession. That's how we break it down within our church. We have a general evangelical statement of faith to be a member of our church, but then to be an elder of our church, you have to hold a confession with a few exceptions. So there's got to be a general consensus about the confession. You can make those exceptions. But um, with but we do not require a an eschatology, a, a unified, uniform eschatology. So we have uni, uh, uniformity in the central doctrines, and then we have a, a recognition that we should be fully convinced in our own mind about these opinions or these, ter- these tertiary doctrines, but then uh, an open-handedness to those who see it differently. I hope that makes sense, and I hope it's helpful. I want to be thinking through these because there is a way that we're, there is a command. There's a way to obey this command and not be a jellyfish. We're not talking about being a jellyfish or not being convinced or saying that somehow it doesn't matter what positions you hold. It does matter. And we want to sharpen one another as we think through these doctrines. But we also want to follow command and recognize that there's going to be Christians that come down in differing positions within the church on these doctrines. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Please uh, consider, you know, subscribing if you haven't subscribed yet and passing the podcast, the show along. Please do that. And uh, thanks so much for coming back. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.